about courage to forgive. Courage to forgive. This is so critical to you accomplishing your God-given dreams. Many of you know that I grew up in Wewoka, Oklahoma, and when I was growing up, we had two dogs, one named Bruno, one named Sarah. And around our house, the yard, we had a, a chain-linked fence around the yard, and we tied the dogs up to the chain-link fence, and so they had a collar around their neck, and, you know, this chain always controlled the dog. And what I liked about the chain-link fence and, and, the, and the chain that was around the dog's neck was the dog was under control by this chain, and he couldn't just run around, and Sarah couldn't just run around freely all through the neighborhood and, and cause problems. It, it, this, this controlled the, the animal. And how many of you, like me, when I was a kid, I used to tease the dogs? Anybody else ever do that to dogs, just kind of mess with the dogs? And, you know, I used to go out and tease the dogs. Sometimes even in the morning time before school, I'd get out there, hey, Sarah, hey, Bruno, hey, 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 and they would jump up. <laughs> But, but they couldn't go and jump on me because the chain had them under control. <laughs> hey, hey, how are you guys doing? And sometimes I have some food, a little meat, a little, little dog food. Hey, you hungry? <laughs> and they're jumping up, but, but the chain is holding them back. So they couldn't get to me. They couldn't dirty up my clothes. They couldn't get the food because the chain had them controlled. And friends, can I tell you today that many people are chained to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness has gripped their life, and it's controlling their life. There are people that are literally angry in this place today, mad, bitter, resentment in their heart. And you have to understand when you hold on to unforgiveness, you are chained. You, you'll never accomplish all that God has for you. Some of you today, you see the dreams, you see it, and, and, you're, and you, you believe it, and you're even, you're even pursuing it. But when you are chained to unforgiveness, you can only go so far. It has gripped your life. You are, you are chained, and you cannot be and do all God wants you to be when you hold on to unforgiveness. Question, question. Are you chained today? Who has you Chained. Maybe it's an ex-spouse, and they did you wrong, and it was a horrible divorce, and, and you're chained today, and you're, you're holding on, and there's grudge in your heart, and you're bitter, and it's chained you. Maybe it was a parent growing up that, that did you absolutely wrong. And, and, and you, you carry that and you, you hold on to it, you remember, and, 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 it's, and, and it's chained your life. Maybe it was a, your kid, and you can't believe what your kid has done. Here they are, now they're reaching adult, and you can't believe what your kid has done, and, and it, it's gripped your heart, and you're bitter, and you're mad, and you, you're chained. And you can't go and be all God wants you to do. Maybe it was a boss. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe it was an employee. Maybe it was a business partner, and the relationship went sour, and you're holding on to unforgiveness. It has chained your life. Maybe it was the coach when you were growing up. Maybe it was the school teacher, and you can't believe what they said to you. You still remember those words. It rings clear in your mind today, the words they spoke over your life, and it's gripped you. Now you harbor unforgiveness, and it's chained your life. Friends, understand something about unforgiveness. When you hold on to unforgiveness, you lose control of your life and you turn it over to that other person. 
And unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking it's going to harm the other person. It doesn't harm them, it harms you. And here you are chained to unforgiveness. You don't have control of your life. And the, and the worst thing is this, you turn control over to the other person and God didn't even have control of your life because you're chained. And unforgiveness has gripped your life. Well, what I want to do today is I want to give you three ways unforgiveness wrecks lives. It wrecks dreams. It wrecks people's futures. Three ways. Number one is this. Unforgiveness wrecks you emotionally. Emotionally. When you are chained to unforgiveness, it wrecks your life emotionally. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root, no poisonous, understand when you, when you are uh, harbor unforgiveness, you harbor bitterness and hatred in your heart, it's a poison. It's not harming them, it's harming you. Be sure that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Everybody shout you. It's not affecting them, it's affecting you. And one of the biggest causes of bitterness, one of the biggest causes of, un, uh, of hatred, one of the biggest causes of resentment is this thing called unforgiveness. And it turns into bitterness and, and hatred, hatred. And the Bible says, don't let that root of bitterness grow because it will trouble you. It will affect you. And I think all of us in this place have seen people who harbor unforgiveness and how it has destroyed them emotionally. It eats people alive. It, it, it tears people apart when they hold on to unforgiveness. It makes people negative when they hold on to unforgiveness. Friends, you show me somebody who's miserable in life. You show me somebody who is negative in life. And I'll show you somebody that 99% of the time has not learned to embrace the power of forgiveness. And it's eating them alive emotionally. It's tearing them apart. Unforgiveness is a lot like technology. And I love technology, but the thing about technology is it overpromises and underdelivers. And I, I have an iPhone that, that I own, and I like my iPhone, uh, but this iPhone overpromises and underdelivers. And don't get me wrong, I love technology. Love the television I'm able to watch. Love the laptop computer I'm able to work from. I do enjoy the phone that I'm able to talk to and, and, and respond to people to. And I, I like my phone, but, but it overpromises and underdelivers. Like, like yesterday, for example, I talked to three of my pastor friends, two of them locally, and I talked to one who lives in Pennsylvania. And I was talking to each one of them, and when I talked to each one of them, the call dropped. And I looked on the phone, and it said, call failed iPhone <laughs> worth how much? I mean, I can understand losing one phone call, but I lost all three. Matter of fact, the one guy I lost in Pennsylvania, I lost the phone call. I tried to call him back. Isn't that frustrating when you try to call somebody right back and you can't get them? I tried to call him back. He tried to call me back. We didn't reach each other. He tried to call me. And matter of fact, he ended up being a voicemail. I didn't get the voicemail until after we talked the second time because he, he ended up calling me back again. Didn't even know he left a voicemail. And we finally got to talk iPhone, call failed, over promises and under delivers. And now can I tell you, that's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness over promises 
and under delivers. Oh, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand. Unforgiveness works for me. <laughs> I, I like to be, have unforgiveness. It work, I like to be mad. I like to be bitter. I like to hate people. I want to be upset because it works for me. It makes me feel good. It, you know what, Herbert? It makes me feel like I'm getting even. I'm not letting go on this because it really works for me. Can I tell you, unforgiveness never works. It always overpromises and it always underdelivers. You'll never see a television commercial that says, please, please hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness so it will refresh your spirit. It never will. You'll never see a television commercial that says, hold on to it because it destroys people. Emotionally, And some of you today, you are chained to unforgiveness and you think it's working for you. You say, oh man, this is great. I like being mad. I'm bitter. I'm going to get even. They're going to get a piece of my mind. I'm upset. And it's a poison. And it's not destroying them. It's destroying you. And you'll never reach your dreams. You'll never reach your future. You'll never reach your potential as long as you're chained to unforgiveness. It always, 100% of the time, overpromises and under delivers. Number two is this. There's a second way unforgiveness wrecks lives and futures and dreams. Number two is unforgiveness wrecks you relationally. Relationally. Let's look back at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many corrupting many. I want you to catch this. When you harbor unforgiveness, when you harbor bitterness and resentment and hatred in your heart, it doesn't just affect you. It spills over and affects other relationships. It says trouble you and corrupting many. Friends, unforgiveness causes major trouble in relationships. The old saying that many of you have heard is very true. Hurt people hurt people. Wounded people wound people. And countless, I mean literally countless of relationships and friendships have been wrecked because of unforgiveness. The, the, the dream of having a thriving and successful marriage is oftentimes wrecked by unforgiveness. And sometimes it's something really big. And the spouse does something, and it's huge, and, and, and somebody holds on to unforgiveness in the relationship, and it wrecks the relationship. And, and oftentimes, it's something small, something petty. It's amazing how foolishness over something silly can slip into a relationship, and somebody holds on to a grudge, and somebody holds on to something and causes bitterness in the relationship, and now it's wrecking the relationship. Maybe it's with, 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 with your parent, with your child. And the dream of having a healthy relationship, the dream of being close, the dream of having Thanksgiving and dinner to a Christmas dinner and opening presents together and the grandkids and the dream of all of that, it's no longer what it should be. Matter of fact, you don't even like to talk to one another. At Christmas, you kind of roll your eyes as you eat dinner and pass the rolls. Because somebody is holding on to unforgiveness and it's wrecking the relationship. Maybe it's at the workplace. And you go, I'm not even going to talk to them. They can say hi to me. I'm not even going to acknowledge them. They're going to know how I feel. 
and you're there and you have a dream of having a healthy relationship, you have dreams and you have career goals, you feel like God has a plan and a future, a bright future for you, and yet the relationship at your work is being wrecked because of unforgiveness. Maybe it was a childhood friendship. Maybe it was a friend in high school or a friend in college, and they did you wrong. They stabbed you in your back, and now you will not take a phone call from them. You will not respond to an email. Matter of fact, you see their email address come up in your computer. You just delete. I'm not even reading it because you're mad. I can't believe. I remember what you did to me in third grade, and I will not forget. I will not forget. You know what you said? And the relationship, the friendship is wrecked because somebody is holding on to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness wrecks relationships. The scripture says this in the book of Ephesians, chapter number four, in verse number 32. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Can I tell you, you cannot accomplish this scripture when you hold on to unforgiveness. As a follower of Christ, one of the primary attributes that should be flowing through our life is kindness and a compassionate heart. But when you're bitter, when you have hatred and resentment in your heart, can I tell you, you're not kind, you're nasty, you're mean, you're hateful, you're rude. Have you ever talked to somebody that it just appears that they're always sucking on lemons? I mean, just mad at the way. Anybody know? Just mad, upset, got a short fuse, go off on you in a minute. Just, that's somebody who's harboring unforgiveness. And they don't have the ability to be kind and compassionate because their heart is filled with unforgiveness and bitterness And the Bible commands us as followers of Jesus to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Can I tell you at the end of that verse, that's deep. Just as in Christ God forgave you. I want to go deep with you today. Some of you think deep is studying the Hebrew and the Greek and me saying something that will confuse the fire out of you, but that's not deep. Deep is doing the Bible. And boy, this is deep. You see, Jesus did his part before we even thought about doing our part. I want you to think about that. Jesus took the initiative. Before we ever did anything, I mean anything, Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross of Calvary, and he rose again on the third day before we made any attempt to get right with God. Now, now, whether we receive God's forgiveness or not is up to us. But what I want you to understand is that Jesus did his part. The work at Calvary has already been done. It is accomplished. It is finished. Matter of fact, Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and he died for us. He's already done his part before we have done anything. And there are many people who say, you know what, Herbert, I I will forgive when I, I feel like it. But right now, I don't feel like forgiving. Herbert, you have to understand, this is fresh. I mean, what has happened to me is recent, and I just can't forgive right now. Herbert, if you knew the magnitude of what the person did to me, this is not small. This is big. They hurt me. They did me wrong. I don't even want to talk about what they did. It's so horrible. And you know what? I just don't feel like forgiving. When I feel like forgiving, then I'll forgive. And friends, let me clue you in on something about forgiveness. You'll never feel like forgiving. That goes against our our flesh. You'll never feel like forgiving. 
You, you, forgiving is a choice that you have to make. You have to say, you know what? I'm going to do my part, just like Jesus did his part. Whether they receive it or not, whether they accept it or not, I'm going to do my part. Listen, we should forgive others before they ever do their part. We should forgive others even if they never do their part. You see, one of the quickest ways to wreck your relationships is to harbor unforgiveness. And we have to make up in our minds that just like Jesus, we're going to do our part. We're going to initiate it. We're going to, we're, going to, we're, we're going to do our part to forgive others whether they ever receive it or not. Because here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal. If you don't forgive, not only is it affecting your relationship with that person, but it spills over into your marriage. It'll spill over into your future marriage. You can't harbor hatred and conceal it to one person. You can't harbor negative emotions and feelings and not show up. Now you got a bad idea. Why are you mad at me, mama? I didn't even do anything. I just trying to get it. I don't know. I didn't eat all the peanut butter and jelly, but man. Because it spills over into other relationships. And you, sir, you, ma'am, are chained. And it will wreck relationships when you harbor unforgiveness. Number three is this. There's a, a, a third point I want to cover regarding harboring unforgiveness and how it wrecks lives. Number three is this. Unforgiveness wrecks you spiritually. Spiritually. I, I want to cover three points here, how unforgiveness wrecks people spiritually. It bankrupts people spiritually. Three things. Number one is this. You can follow along with me in your bulletin, fill in the notes there. Encourage you to take this message home and meditate on it. Number one is this. You wreck God's favor on your life. When you harbor unforgiveness, you wreck God's favor on your life. The scripture says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, it says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, everybody shout you. When you hear what scripture says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God's will is as far as it depends on you, forgive the other person. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I want to flip the coin here just for a moment. Not only should we forgive others, but we need to also go and do the two powerful words in the English language. Two of the most powerful words are this, I'm sorry. And to live at peace with everyone, sometimes it's not what they did to us. It's what we did to them. And you know what? To walk and to do what Jesus wants us to do, to have a humble and broken heart, we have to learn to utter those words. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with everyone. Can I ask you, when's the last time you uttered those two words? When's the last time you said, I'm sorry? When's the last time you said to your spouse, I was wrong? I'm sorry. When's the last time, kids, you said to your parents, I was wrong? I'm sorry. Parents, when's the last time you said to your kids, I'm wrong? And I'm sorry. When was the last time you said to a coworker, an employee, a, a boss, you know what? I, I, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. 
Can I tell you, if you are going to walk with forgiveness and have peace in your relationships, you need to learn to utter those two words. I'm sorry. My wife has to do it all the time. Okay, that's a joke. That's a, that's a joke. But literally, I have to say I'm sorry a lot in our relationship because I'm wrong. I have to say I'm sorry to folks that I work with. I'm wrong. I'm sorry because as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with everyone. The scripture goes on to say, do not take revenge. Now, I want to talk to you about this God's favor thing. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Now, now this favor of God we're talking about, this is this hidden intangible that you see on people's life. It's, it's, this, it's this blessing. It's this favor. Have you ever seen somebody and you go, man, it just seemed like God is with them. Man, I can't believe how things work out for them. Man, I can't believe that. It just seems like I don't understand how things just turn out so well for this, this person. I don't understand how their relationships just seem to thrive. There's this, this hidden intangible, God's favor, God's blessing, God's hand. And the Bible talks about this. It says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, God's hand, for God to work out the situation. Because the scripture goes on to say, it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And God says, I will repay if you'll do the first part of verse 19. Do not take revenge. But when you take matters into your own hands, and you want to be the judge, and you're going to get even, and you're going to give them a piece of your mind, and they're going to know what I think, and I'm not going to talk to them, and I'm going to get even the blessing of God, the favor of God. God's ability to work in the situation is no longer there. God says, it's mine to avenge. I'll work in this situation. I'll deal with them if you don't take revenge. Scripture goes on to say in verse number 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. That'll mess up some of your enemies. Tomorrow, instead of going to roll your eyes and telling people off and get, go, go buy my hamburger, amen. Well, they probably think you poisoned it, but they, they have to, all you, how hateful you've been to them. But scripturally, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, now let me explain this to you because some of you don't know how to interpret Scripture properly. The Bible is not saying to go take hot coals and put it on somebody's head. Some of you, you're new to the Lord, and I understand. I just wanted to bring some clarity to that. The Bible, that's God's part. God will work in the situation. God will make them feel shameful. God will make them feel guilty. God will put the coals on them. God will work on your behalf. If you, instead of cursing, will bless. Instead of doing evil, will bless God. You have the favor. You have the blessing. You have the touch of God that's able to work in those situations. But you forfeit that when you harbor unforgiveness in your heart. Verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then you invoke the blessing and favor and touch of God upon your life in that situation. Number two is this. Number two is this. How does unforgiveness wreck you spiritually? Number two, you wreck your prayer life. You wreck your prayer life when you harbor unforgiveness. The scripture says in Mark chapter 11, verse number 24 and 25, it says, therefore, I tell you, Jesus says these words, whatever you ask for in prayer, this is powerful. Whatever you ask for in prayer, of course, being in God's will, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's awesome. What a promise in scripture. 
But verse 25 goes on to say, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. You want to mess up your prayer life? You want to wreck your connection to God? You don't want your prayers to ever be answered? Go into prayer and stand praying and hold unforgiveness in your heart. Just be bitter and mad and upset and have the attitude that you're going to get even and they're going to get a piece of your mind and you will wreck your prayer life. Jesus said, now it's, it's, it's true. Whatever you ask for in prayer, I mean, if it's according to my will, believe that you have received it and it will be yours, but you want to have forfeit that promise? You want to forfeit that connection? You don't want my hand to, to, you don't want me to answer prayer? You don't want to have that God connection with me as you pray and talk to me? He says, here's what you do. Stand in prayer and hold unforgiveness in your heart, and you'll mess up your prayer life. And some of you are thinking right now, well, Herbert, I've, I've st- stood in prayer, and I, I for- I've forgiven that person. I've forgiven them once, and that's enough. Now, I don't, I don't know how many times you want me to mean they keep doing the same thing. Herbert, enough is enough. I, I've even forgiven them twice, three times. That's enough. Now, God understands. I'm going to stand in prayer, and I'm going to pray. I'm not going to forgive. That, that's enough's enough. Herbert, how many times should I forgive somebody? Well, the Scripture addresses that. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21 through 22, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, I mean, this is the question so many have, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? They've done me wrong. They've messed me over. Time and time again, they've done the same thing. How many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times, Peter said. And Jesus answered, uh-uh, uh-uh. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, you forgive over and over and over again. And the moment you start harboring unforgiveness and you're unwilling to forgive, you mess up your prayer life and connection to your heavenly father. Here's the deal. People will hurt you. I just want you to know that. If you didn't know that, if one thing you learned from church today, people will hurt you over and over again. And you got to learn to forgive. Let me clue you in on this. The people you are closest to will hurt you the most it's just how it is. Not intentionally, but when you have fellowship and relationship with somebody, the closer they are to you, the, 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 the more ability they have to hurt you. I mean, if you don't believe me, just get married. Now, now, now marriage is wonderful. I love marriage. love my wife. But in a marriage relationship, you have the ability to hurt one another over and over again, like over stupid stuff. I can't believe you dropped my two birds on the floor. Now it's dirty. Why don't you? you got to learn to forgive. you got to learn to get over it. You can't harbor unforgiveness. People will hurt you. You got to learn to walk in forgiveness so that you can have right relationship with your heavenly father and not hinder your prayer life. Number three is this. There's a third way people wreck their lives spiritually. Number three, you wreck receiving forgiveness. You wreck receiving forgiveness from your heavenly father. Scripture says in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, and when you stand praying, if you hold any, anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Church, that's huge. That's huge. Scripture goes on to say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, but if you do not forgive, and you harbor unforgiveness, and you harbor hatred, and you're going to get even, and you're going to retaliate, and you're not going to forgive them. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You want to wreck your life spiritually? You don't want to have the ability for God to forgive you? 
you just stay chained to unforgiveness. You want to wreck your life relationally? You just stay chained to unforgiveness. Don't, don't, don't let it go. You want to wreck your life emotionally and be bitter and hateful and mean and rude? Just, just stay chained to unforgiveness. You want to see your dreams but not have the ability to go for it? You just stay chained to unforgiveness. Here's the deal. I'm not minimizing what happened to you. Some in this place have been deeply hurt. It's not small. It's huge. What has happened to you is unfair. It's not right. How they took advantage of you is not right, and it's not fair. But if you hold on to unforgiveness, you're chained. And today, what some of you have to do, you have to do, you got to forgive. You got to free yourself that you can be all God wants you to be. You got to free yourself that you can be healthy emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Would you drop it today and let God work in your heart that you would leave out of this place with a forgiving heart? Father, thank you so much for this word. Lord, we all struggle with this.